The dwellers below. Some of our language is coming at you with irresistible force. If you don't think you can pass your strength test, then best back off now. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. Welcome back to another episode of The Dwellers Below. Uh, who have we got here with us today? I'm the father of lies. Going around the table. <laughs> This is the shit show. <laughs> this is the, the old stare down. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll try and guide this more. On my left, <laughs> it's yeah, the yeah, window. It's the you. window is on the fucking left. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's nothing to your left. It's his left, yeah. Sam. That's you. Number one daughter's a cane player in Australia, Sam Morgan. Uh, and back from my ban <laughs> after my red card on the first episode <laughs> is. The ever on topic, most desirable dweller, short shorts, Nick. I actually have some questions, uh, some like <laughs> throwbacks that I have for you for later in the show. But who's, uh, who's that with the questions? The, the, with the questions and the answers is uh, that old egg, as as always. That fucking egg. I'm yeah. going to crack your shell and dunk some toast in you. See, I'm not sure that you would be able to. Like, I don't. For long time listeners, you might remember that Nick was notoriously rated as being a strength of 2.5. That's right. But now that we've moved to a, be a bit of an AOS podcast, we don't really have strength values anymore. Just a wound. So I have a question for people other than Gentilly what does Nick wound on? 5 plus yeah I think he's a 5 plus a 5 plus but a rend of 4 mm, no see I think the rend is more reflective of the weapon the, the to wound value is how strong one is I think he's a 5 plus but if he's got his short shorts on he gets plus 1 to wound yeah oh, that's a bit generous re-rolling ones re-roll ones alright re-roll ones but modifiers are after re-rolls yes yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough alright boys what have we been up to? Just played my first game against Nighthawk this week. So got down to Good Games Melbourne. Rolled a few dice with Nick. You're with your shout outs. Good Games Melbourne this, Good Games Melbourne that. Are you actually getting like commission on this or? C A C A S T. Brad's not here today, so we can make as much fun of him as we want. Oh, do you know he's got a podcast called Cast Eyes? Really? Where would I find that? Uh, do you know he's internet? got a Canadian passport? <laughs> <laughs> do you know I was actually on Cast Eyes relatively recently? Oh, really? It's what? actually a good podcast. You sound actually, so surprised. Yeah. It's like saying this is actually a good podcast. This is, it's no, also, no, also it's wrong. Not. Also wrong. Yeah, I have more faith in Brad's podcasting ability than ours. So, Sam, you've been playing a couple of games. A couple of games. Uh, been getting down to good games every few days. Played Lockie Mulcahy. Every few days. I'm unemployed. It's it's a difficult life. I've got a, a game lined up for the weekend. I've got some games for next week. So, played a game against Lockie Mulcahy. Um, I thought cool. his name was Mulch Kahey. Mulk Cakey. Mulch Cakey. Yeah. Mulch uh, Kaki? Yeah. Collectively, we sort of unearthed the, the Daughters of Cain debuff list, so we'll perhaps talk about that a little bit later in the show. But um, yeah, Smash Lockie, that was good. Played <laughs> against Nick and then um, came back down to earth, so to, so to speak. Um, and other than that, just been painting like a fiend. So I've got um, 2,000 points of Zinch. I need to get knocked out for the, the Sydney GT, which is about eight weeks away. Um, and just, yeah, furiously getting those, those all together and painted. So... When you're furiously getting them all together and painted, what drives your fury? Like, and, and don't you break the models because you're so angry? I think it's the fury of Cain. Oh, the spell that you roll. 
This is this is awkward. Yes, this is awkward. Sam, Sorry, I made, Sam, I made a joke and you tried to throw it back to me. I have no idea why. I, I thought the established convention was that someone makes a terrible joke, gets ignored, and we just move straight on. I think the problem here is Gentile's back. Back to back. Let's get rid of him. So, Sam, you were talking about a game. Against Nick. No, no, we, no, we'd already moved on from that. Your Done, fury. Finished. He was All angry right. when he was yeah. building stuff. I I've can't... snapped like 11 paintbrushes. It's been challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not like Windsor and Newton Series 7s at 30 bucks a pop. No, just the, the Games Workshop ones. I am looking though. Um, there's Artist Opus. Is that what it's called? It's a, a brand that's just been set up over in the UK. Yeah, so Byron from Element Games. They look That sick. did a Kickstarter and everything. I think they're, I've, I've not used them. I think they're meant to be on the level with sort of Windsor and Newton Series 7 stuff. Winter and Newton's really nice. Well, these ones come in a really pretty box. That was the, well, that's, the, that's the, the selling point for me. Is so. there a different handle on them or are they just standard paintbrush handles? I think they're ergonomic handles, which is a, another important sort of factor. Speaking of ergonomics, yeah. um, those GW painting handles are the shiznit. They were so, so good. Like the handles on their paintbrushes? No, no, no. The ones that you... The butt plug. The, the one that you stick the model on. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I used to... Um, for those out there that want to know, if you want to avoid um, like t- carpal tunnel stuff, you want to have a big grip on the models that you're holding and they just do it perfectly and they're weighted at the bottom and they hold the model real secure. Because I used to put them on um, paint can lids and just blue tack them on, but the paint handles are the best. And yeah, they're just really sturdy, nice to hold. Hold the model well. Do you, awesome. do you use those with your, your Games Workshop Citadel hobby desk and your Citadel water paint <laughs> contain- uh, water? Uh, I have container? the Citadel plastic mat thing of course and I've do. got the Citadel um, chopping board and I do <laughs> have a Citadel paint container um, that I use for the water but I don't have a Citadel palette. I've got a wet palette that I made myself. It's Controversial. funny because all of that stuff seems super useless and, and pretty terrible for what you're paying but then they have things like the mold line remover which is actually just total gas and meant to be super good but you look at it and you're like they're selling that for 20 bucks or whatever they sell it for. Well, their hobby stuff, like their hobby knife now is really good. The one that I've got, it's, it's got removable blades. Their hobby knife is awesome. Their, oh, their clippers aren't that great. I've got um, not GW clippers. But um, the rest of the stuff, that painting mat's really handy because it saves me so much newspaper when I cover my desk and that. It's so good. You couldn't get like a self-healing cutting mat for like five bucks? Um, no, because they don't sell them at GW. <laughs> Such a fanboy. Yeah. yeah, but if it's working for it. Gentilly, have you actually been doing any hobby or just staring at your, like spending all this money on, I, on hobby accessories? I was banned. I have, I've been in jail. I've actually literally been put in jail for the, last, the first episode. Um, but while I was in jail, I was, I've been painting Blood Sisters and Blood Stalkers. Um, so the Blood Sisters are 99.8% done. Um, I've only got to paint the heart on the... What's the champion called, Sam? Champion. Yeah, on the champion, the one holding the heart. I've got to paint the heart on her and then put them on their bases. And then the blood stalkers, they're about 64.2% done. I've done the base coats of all the colors and the washes, but I haven't done any highlights yet. That doesn't sound like 99.78%. No, that, that, the, the stalkers are 63.2%. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no the, um, the blood sisters are um, 99.8% done. Do we have a, we have a Cav, Cav Prince update? Uh, Cav Prince is still floundering on 99.96%. What about the horse? The horse is done. Yeah, the horse is 
Yeah, yeah. This is the Cap Princeton 99 point. I'm waiting for the new um, Hiles, by the way, because I hope that they have a new Cap Prince. You, you might be waiting for, qu- waiting for quite a long time and then you'll be waiting for even more amount of time until you finish the new Cap Prince. That's right. That's right. Because, well, if you read the fluff, right, they talk about the elves from the realm of light, whatever that... What's the realm of light called? Shaiish or some... Haish? Haish, that's right. Not Shaiish. Shaiish is like the realm of death. No one goes there. They're shit. Um, Haish. Um... And so they talk about these angelic elves and I'm really excited. I reckon they're going to be amazing. Plus Tyrion and Teclis. If you're so like good. an angel dwarf, uh, angel elf that can fly, yeah. do you think you'd need to be a cavalry model or would you just fly everywhere? Well, it depends what allows you to fly. Does the horse allow you to fly or do you, do you have your own wings like the canaries? Who knows? Mm. Egg? Hobby? Um, all right. So my, my hobby's been split into three parts and I'll deal with them in terms of how like on topic and useful they are from most to least. Uh, so the most useful thing I've been doing is painting. I've been talking in the last couple of episodes about some chaos knights that I've been trying to paint to finish off a chaos army, which I started about like five years ago. Mm. And they're finished. You copied my colour scheme for that, by the way. Exactly. And, you and co- they're incredibly you pretty. Oh, they're all right. But, um, Turns out purple and blue works really well. It's We've- not blue, it's turquoise. Let, let, let's be, you know, colour specific It's here. great when you add a bit of yellow in there too. Yes, yeah, the, the kind of bone. off yellowy gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's nice. Um, yeah, so I've been painting that army for fucking ever and by the end of this week, I should never have to do it again and that's going to be a huge relief and I can start, you know, wasting countless hours scraping mould lines off the Stormcast army which I bought, which is my second bit of hobby news. Yeah, nice. Uh, I basically bought the entire Stormcast army apart from whatever model I end up using to convert a Celestant Prime out of because the current model is everything that is wrong with Games Workshop in I don't like it either. It looks a bit stupid. So, like, you have a model that is the size and shape of every other Stormcast hero. It's, like, two inches high, uh, an inch and a half wide, fits onto a 40 mil base, no problems. This one's on a hundred mil base, and like he's got some big wings. He looks like he's a fucking Christmas tree. But most What's of it's the taken baubles? up with. Yeah, it. I hate yeah. the baubles. There's just some weird meteor swirly shit, and I get that there's some fluff to explain that. But this is definitely the tail wagging the dog. Yeah, they started out with like, so we're going to do this model, and he's going to be surrounded by a swirl of things. Now we're going to write that into the fluff. Like it just, it doesn't need to be there. He could be standing on the ground with some sweet wings and a weapon or whatever. Not really a problem. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to look into. Possibly alternatives from other companies or the, the current front runner is converting it out of the Nightbringer Catan, Catan Cthune mm-hmm. model from the Necron range. Um, oh, what's that one? So it, it's, it's a guy who's uh, like f- kind of floating sort of in midair with a big, uh, like a cowl and a cape, lots of robes oh, going yeah, all the no, way to the one. ground. And because most of the army I'm running is going to be from whatever the new chapter is. Yeah, um, sacrosanct. Yeah, the sacrosanct chapter. Um, I'm gonna be like they're all kind of decked out in robes. I've got some third party hooded heads to put on the rank and file, and the Nightbringer will fit in really well as a converted Celestine Prime, um, especially well because he's got a scythe, and that's really important because the third part of my hobby has been doing some reading, and I've been reading a lot of the fluff for the like in the Stormcast book, and it turns out. Yeah, th- yeah, that model. For, for the viewers at home, it's that model. Yeah. Um, viewers at home, listeners at home, fuck you, I don't care. Well, you can um, look at your phone while you're listening to us. Well, you, you can, yeah. Or your computer screen or whatever it is that you're um, podcasting on. Yeah, so I, I was reading the Stormcast fluff and it turns out that Age of Sigmar 2 
is actually a giant like anti-capitalist propaganda machine. Oh. Like, Sigma is just a giant bourgeoisie owner of the means of production fuckwit exploiting the workers. And that's really clear throughout the fluff. No, he's the good guy. No, no. He, no. he, he owns the factory. He's bad Jean Valjean. He's everything that we should hate about the way that society is. No, he's, he's John Galt. No, so... so what happens when Sigma is building a storm a stormhold is he gets all of the like, the free people and Juden from all around the place to build this enormous citadel to to hold uh, his his armies in and that protects the armies but it doesn't protect the people that built it in the first place they have to go back out into the middle of nowhere and get shit on by chaos again but if they and were good they could create their own means of production. No, but they, they would, except that their current labour is being exploited by Sigma. So what we really need to do, and this is where my particular uh, Stormcast chapter is coming in, it shouldn't be the hammers of Sigma, it should be the hammers and sickles of Sigma. I'm painting them red, the communist threat is coming, and we're going to take over the Australian Age of Sigma scene, one Gavriel Shawhart infused 18-inch charge at a time. Oh, comrades. You didn't lie when you said that was going to get progressively more off topic, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tip of the iceberg. So I have a question. Yeah? What's your purple recipe on your purple and turquoise miniatures? That's a closely guarded secret that I only share with a select few. One of them being you a while ago, and I I don't actually You've emailed it to me twice in the past as well. Yeah, probably. I feel Um, privileged. If you have a pot of the old lich purple, it makes it a lot easier, because that's what I started with, and since then I've been failing to find good uh, alternatives for that. And so, yeah, my, my Chaos Army has like three different shades of the purple armor now um, and some of them look closer than others. Well, because purple's way easier now than it used to be like when 8th edition was around because there used to be like two different colors of purple that didn't highlight each other. Yeah. Whereas now there's like three or four different types of purple and they've all got a base highlight and... Whatever, you know. So I can tell you the thought process that I use when I'm painting it. Yeah. Which is like, I start with, which one's the darkest one? Then I, then, then I shake them and look at, and this is only of the pots I have. It's not even the whole range. I'll find out right So I'm now. just like, I shake whichever is the darkest pot that I have and that's the first layer. Yeah. Um, don't even look at the names. N- no, I, the, the names don't mean anything. They're just faceless paints that I destroy on the way to another best painting prize. I'm gonna say, it's, yeah. I wish I'd won a best painting prize. It's um, that's, Nagaroth. That's a joke. Nagaroth Knight. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one. Yep. Uh, yeah, so it's like that and then... Zerus? Yeah, and but then, but it, there's like a midway point in between. So I do a mix of the two of them, ooh. then a layer of Xerus, yeah. and then Xerus with bone, and then possibly another one with more bone. I can't really remember. Because I've been doing that, but now I've changed to doing Xerus as the base, Yep, and then highlighting up through with, um, with Gene Stealer. And mm-hmm. then the very top one, I use, I put a bit of Slanesh Grey in. That... And that makes it really bright purple. Yeah, like the way I've been doing it, and and this is partly a function of trying to match what I did five years ago, is that the the kind of panels are really dark. So yeah. it, it's like a 50-50 mix of Xerus and Nagaroth. And that's the kind of majority color. Yeah. Um, and so, so like without the, the start from the Nagaroth, you wouldn't get the... Yeah, like the really dark purple on them, yeah. which isn't to say that it's like the best way to do purple. It's just it looks the, nice. The right? way I did it so long ago, and now that I got a wet palette, I actually what I do is I start with like the darkest color at one end, and then I mm-hmm. put another blob of the middle color, and then the high color, and then I kind of mix all the way through, um, and so you get this nice gradient of color. And so yeah. 
Um, and so then you can go back. You can, oh, I made a mistake there. Fix it with the darker color. And then, so... So is that easy to emulate the next time you sit down to paint though? Yeah, because you just put three blobs and then mix them and you kind of go anywhere along the gradient. You can kind of... And, and really, really it doesn't make that much difference because the eye, it all blends together anyway because mm-hmm. um, and your eye mm-hmm. kind of ignores the... How, how easy was it to make the wet palette? Because I've been painting Nighthaunt and, and using mixed paints because I haven't, you know, the shades haven't been quite what I wanted. Yeah. But I've been really struggling to replicate it. So, I, like, my first Nighthaunt models were red and a purple, a reddish sort of purple highlighting up to a white, basically. But the first models I painted, I was really happy with. And then I tried to replicate it and I couldn't because I, I wasn't getting the mixes the same way as I was doing the first time. So, yeah, I think my problem is that I'm not using a wet palette. The wet palette's easy. It, um, I went to, I think, Kmart, right? And you can get these... Well, if you're not in Australia, who the fuck knows? Anyway... Um, I went to Kmart and they've got these clipper Tupperware containers. So um, they're, you know, just think of any kind of Tupperware container. I've got the sort of big square one. But you flip it upside down and so you, because it's got a, um, a seal on it and the lid has um, a lip in it. So it's not a flat lid. There's the seal around the edge and then the lip. Um, and so I put the, I think it's just a Chuck's, um, mm-hmm. Chuck's sponge in there. It's a thin one and then I get a um, just baking paper on top of that. And what you can do is then the obviously the bottom of the palette becomes a lid and so you sit it on top and it seals completely watertight so you can leave the water in there and the paint lasts forever. And if you really, um, sometimes when I'm feeling really crazy, I'll actually put the paint in the fridge to make it last longer. But in winter, it'll last a week without you, um, the palette I mean. Um, in winter, it'll last outside for weeks you could have the same mix just sitting there do you have your bread in the cupboard or in the fridge I don't eat bread if you were to eat bread (laughs) (laughs) Um, if I were to eat bread it would definitely be in the cupboard it fucking freaks me out when people have it in the fridge open the fridge and there's bread in there so the the only I I can understand freezing it if you have it quite rarely and you want it to be like moderately fresh when you come to it but yeah if you're just having some every day just leave the loaf in the cupboard or even if you want to get super old school a bread bin who the fuck puts bread (laughs) in the fridge I don't know. But then people put tomato sauce in the fridge. I was going to so say yeah, tomato, really tomato sauce, too. cupboard or fridge? Cupboard. God. Definitely cupboard. Fridge. I don't like tomato sauce. If, you have a, if you're having something that's really hot, it's nice for the tomato sauce to be cold and sort of offset it. No, you want it room temperature. Well, that's, yeah, no, that's While weird. we're talking oh, blending, um, and I'm throwing shout-outs left, right and centre. Good I'm game's Melbourne. <laughs> I, think uh, we, I think we stopped talking about blending anyway. Les Martin. Sent me through an awesome reco for this book. It's by James Gurney. It's called Color and Light. Um, I've picked it up and it is really great just in terms of what Nick was talking about with transitions of color, um, where the light hits them and all those sorts of things. So I would definitely recommend. Is it miniature painting or is it? Well, this is actually the realist's guide to painting, but I'm using it for miniature painting. Mm. Because, you know, I find with miniature painting, I like to paint in a cartoony style. Um, and that is how everyone should paint. And if you don't paint in that style, you're wrong. Um, but I find when I see really nicely painted stuff that looks really realistic, t- to me, I find that jarring because it's such a fantastic... Like GW models that are painted really well and look real, I find for painting prizes, they kind of blend into the background a little bit because they're too real, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it, we're talking it, about two different things. If, you, if you're trying to win a painting prize... I think what you're trying to do is have 
paint models that are technically painted well but pop on the table so yep. that people are inclined to vote for them. Yep. And if you're painting for photographs, if you're painting for white dwarf or to, to go to Golden Demon, maybe then real, realism is more valuable but, but less that, noticeable. But that's wrong. You shouldn't paint that way. I went for a, a kind of mix with my, my lizard man. So I had fairly realistic looking bases used sort of earthy dark tones, but then the lizards themselves were quite bright in purples and, and turquoise because they're the best colors. Obviously. It's a, such a good yeah. combo. I, I think that was a good move because trying to paint something that literally doesn't exist realistically is <laughs> may, maybe like going to be fraught with danger. Dinosaurs are real, bro. So yeah, things, yeah, but they had wings and feathers and shit. Thing, things that do exist on the lizard men models is stuff like metal and stone and wood. And quite often, if you try and paint wood realistically, it ends up looking um, like you've just done a heap of lines. It looks stupid. Yeah, wood's mm. really hard to paint. I've been trying to do wood grain on my night haunt mm-hmm. and with mixed success. Yeah. Well, I've seen some really nice wood grain. Um, yeah, actually, there's some on this table, to be honest. Yeah, that's right. No, a friend of mine does it really well, but even he, it, it looks great from the tabletop. But when you pick it up really close, it's exaggerated yep. because yep. otherwise it, it looks a bit silly. Yeah, it's a three-foot test versus looking at a model right up close and, yeah. and, and for Golden Demon kind of stuff. I mean, some of the time, it's, even if you're looking at it from like three inches away, some of the time you still need some exaggeration or heightenedness because, or sorry, to put that another way, uh, if you look at an element of the model in isolation – it can look a bit weird, even if when it's in context of the rest of the model, it makes sense. And I think that's where, yeah, some of that exaggeration, even in pretty realistic paint jobs is important. But I agree with Nick. Like, they should be cartoony and bright and extreme yep. edge highlighting and fuck off if you're blending. Do you find um, that when you're painting a model, you get fixated on like one bit and you're like, oh, that looks shit. I've got to like, and you redo it. And then when you put it on the table after you finish the whole model, it's like, oh, fuck. I didn't even notice that. I, I was doing that with the like the unit of nights I've been painting where I noticed that uh, somewhere through I was highlighting one color and a bit of it flecked off and hit like another bit of the arm or yeah. something like that. And normally that's a pain. You have to go back to it. And I got to the end and was trying to like look back through the unit to find where I'd fucked up. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. Like, yeah. I, it's still there somewhere on the model, but I just... Couldn't find it afterwards. It was that insignificant. Yeah. But at that time, it felt like a big I'm deal. I'm so pleased you told us that because I'm definitely going to yeah. dock you on the weekend. <laughs> One day you what go- do you mean? I'm not taking a display board. I can't win painting anyway. No. It's like when my dad almost didn't buy a car he really wanted because there was a tiny little scratch above one of the, the wheelbases that no one would ever notice. And he nearly just you know flipped out and just said, nah, the deal is off. Like, oh, wow. It's got a tiny little scratch. Is your dad German by any chance? He's Dutch, actually. Oh, okay. Mm. So when during the World Cup, what did he do? <laughs> he didn't care because he doesn't care about soccer because he's Australian. Mostly Australian. Oh. Yeah, actually, during most it. of the World Cup, what did Australians do? That's, that's a good question. Not a lot. Yeah. I watched all the other teams that actually can play football. Yeah, that was fun. Except that half the teams doing well weren't the teams that could play football. That's what was so like good. They were all getting knocked out. Well, it should just get better. Germany. Yeah, that was... My World Cup ended in about... I think overnight, Australia got knocked out, Germany got knocked out. I was like, great, World Cup over. Oh, well. Yeah. More time to do hobby, I guess. So what have you been doing in the hobby? You mentioned Night Haunt. Yeah, so I've been building a lot of Night Haunt. And yeah, that to... black coach looks sweet. Oh my God, that model is so cool. It's so big. And it's got like the opposite problem to what Chris was describing earlier about the Selston Prime, where the base is just nowhere near big enough. And it's a 17 centimeter base. Yeah. I love that it has a two-page war scroll as well. I think that Does it really? The yeah. war scroll folds out. So I played Nick the other day and he just like opens it up like a book. <laughs> it's got some special rules. 
Yeah, so the the Nighthorn stuff's really cool. I really like the models. Uh, the coach is awesome. Uh, yeah. I almost want a second one, but they're a bit expensive. Are you going to sub-assemble it when you paint it? Yeah, so it, it I've basically fully assembled it, but it breaks off into three or four parts. Yeah. And the parts are kind of like parts. So one part's the horses. Uh, yeah. One part's the the actual carriage itself. The other part's the the ghost at the back. So it um it'll it'll paint relatively easily i think yeah 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 have you been using the new washers uh i've been using the i haven't been using the like the night haunt one or the the green wraith one i've been using the what's it called the the oxide yeah the oxide nylac oxide yeah Yeah. i've I've heard that that's a fairly popular choice is to yeah use that one rather than the new the new ones they're interesting because they're not washers they're like technical paint so they're thicker than a wash yeah so like I've tried just painting that onto white and it didn't really have the effect I wanted because not enough of the white was showing through. So I'm doing sort of dry brushing and, and different techniques and I've just been experimenting a fair bit trying to figure out exactly how I want to do things, how I want to base them. I think I've spent 150 bucks on different basing materials and still <laughs> haven't come up with something I'm totally okay with. Um, I reckon when I paint them, I'm going to do opposite Zenithal. So I'm going to start with a base coat of white, then go grey in the same way that you would normally do the grey and then go black and so then when you put the technical paint on it you, it'll go dark to light like they do and then obviously you've got to highlight a little bit at the end to the, the tails and stuff or dry brush whatever but um, the ones you sent us in the group look good yeah I'm pretty happy with kind of the colours I'm using uh, I'm working out the bases at the moment so I'm looking at the moment doing kind of like a river of the dead river of souls sort of thing with a water effect um so, yeah, just kind of experimenting with things. Aiming to have the army painted for CanCon, yeah. which I've got a bit of time for. So I reckon I would do, because I'm using the Shattered Dominion bases for the um, daughters, um, I would do use the Shattered Dominion bases and then dry brush them. They've got a Warhammer video on it on how to do the Realm of Death. Um, and then I would put the water effects in. You'll see in the Shattered Dominion there's like cracks and I would put that rivery stuff in the cracks, so I reckon that would look sweet. Yeah, I'm using like corkboard for little islands in in the river. So yeah. I'll, I'll pull it out later. I'll show you, show you one that I'm kind of working on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. your lizardmen are probably one of the best sort of tournament armies on the scene. What's lizardmen? Is the intent seraphone? <laughs> is the intent for the night haunt to be tabletop standard, or are you going for a painting nom at CanCon? Uh, I'm not really sure. I, w- I want it to look really nice on the tabletop. I want it to be a bit unique. The models are really hard to convert. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, a kind of trend with Games Workshop models now that they're mm. they're less reposable than they used to be. So models, uh, like armies come out looking more similar than they used to. Everything kind of has its stock pose. So I want the bases to be really unique to, to make the army stand out. Uh, the level of painting probably won't be quite as high as the lizards. I'm not planning to do like, you know, point highlighting on every single scale, mm-hmm. three colours like I did with the lizards. But yeah, it, I'm hoping for it to be a fairly nice looking army. Do you know, this is my prediction with night haunt armies because the models are so awesome you're i reckon it's going to be really difficult to win a painting prize with them because there's going to be so many of the models and we will have seen the models so many times that unless they're an amazing 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 paint job i think people will kind of gloss over them when they see them mm-hmm. in in painting I think circles. I think Owen's probably right in that you're going to need something different mm. for them to make them stand out. There's a picture of like a Lady Alinda that's been doing the rounds, and rather than being kind of clean and white and ghostly, 
she's just fucking splattered with blood and gore and really dark and grim. Yeah. And the, the contrast between that and the standard paint job is so stark. Yeah. Um, and it makes it stand out so much more. And I, I think, like, not necessarily that scheme, but that kind of approach is mm. going to be what it's, certainly that'll be more eye catching than a nice night haunt army sprayed white and washed with some technical paints. Mm. And I think that's a trap that a lot of people might fall into is that it's really easy to an effective to, to paint an effectively nice looking night horn army. You just spray it white, use the technical paints, maybe a bit of dry brushing and you, it can look really good. Tabletop yeah. quality and it's yep. very, very easy. I mean you've painted a whole army in that kind of style back in 8th Ed. Yeah, I got more compliments for the army I painted in a weekend than the one that I spent like six months on. Yeah, yeah that's so right. I think, yeah, you've got to have something that, that sets it apart from other night horn armies because I think there will be plenty of them. But if people recognise that things are being painted, you know, in a technically good way versus, you know, just wash on white, which is fine. I've got nothing, there's, I've got no issues with that. that. If that helps someone get the army on the table and it's their first army or whatever, it's great. And if it looks good, I don't yeah. care how it's painted. As long as like it looks good, yeah, I think yeah. so as well. I've seen armies that were dipped that looked absolutely amazing. Yeah. There's also something that I've been, but probably more from the sense of things I've been hearing from listening to podcasts rather than from it being like something I've experienced at tournaments. But it, it seems to me like there's a level of... I'm going to call it hobby snobbery to be controversial mm-hmm. where uh, you know, the, the sentiment is something along the lines of if you go to a tournament, you have a right to expect that your opponent's army is going to be really, really good. And I just want to push back against that a little bit and say you have a right to expect that your opponent's put like, some, like a significant amount of effort in that like they've tried. But I like I remember the first time I discovered inks, like the shitty old Games Workshop inks, and I had an orc army, and I like glooped some green ink onto the goblin green arms, and it, the change it made in how good the models looked was significant. But the army was still garbage. Like if I rocked up to a tournament and people were like, oh, "Really, you should have put some effort in," my response then would have been like, "I, I did. I've done everything I know how to do, but my army was bad because I didn't know how to do it at that point." So. Yeah, like I, I'm as long as people are putting in some effort into these kind of things, even if it's a straightforward army to paint or they've used simple techniques, if it looks nice and if they're not cutting corners, that to me at least that's fine. So, like from my perspective, what constitutes effort, um, and that it's probably things like you know picking out the weapons, mm. um, maybe having a different color on this. I'm thinking with Nine Horn in particular, yeah. if I come up against an army and they have ethereal weapons and ethereal cloaks. Um, that's probably less immersive than, you know, if they pick those out and you know, metallic or a rust or a whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but th- there does need to be a minimum effort sort of threshold. Um, although in saying that, we, we're going to an event this weekend where painting isn't required and that's actually making it more inclusive. So mm. I guess it's a conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't, the- um, I wouldn't be there because I wanted to get my daughters ready for CanCon. I wouldn't be there if it was a painting because it's not done. My army's not done. And so I just was planning on not playing until... Or going to events until CanCon. Um, but now I get to test some stuff out. Yeah. It'll be fun. It's handy for me because it means I get to use my Nighthaunt. Yeah. So I would just use my Lizards, which are at the end of the day still an 8th edition army. But uh, now I can use my, my new Nighthaunt stuff and it means I'm spending lots of money on Nighthaunt models. So mm. I'm spending that money at the store that's hosting the, the tournament. So maybe it's, worked maybe, well. maybe it's worked well. Yeah, no, I think it's good. But um, yeah, I... I Want to push back against your pushing back? Well, that sounds sexual. I feel like there's a song in this. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think I don't think it needs to look amazing, but I think 
tables. I think we can up the standard of the tables. Well, certainly, I haven't been to an AOS event, but from the old 8th edition ones, um, I reckon there should be an expectation that the tables are of a decent standard. That Because nothing makes a game more immersive than incredible terrain. Just basically three-colour painted models on really awesome, thought-about... Um, developed terrain makes a huge, huge difference. I, I don't think immersive is... Uh, I think immersive is a word I don't want to... I'm going to push back against the use of the word immersive. <laughs> oh, push back against a pushback against a pushback. Nothing to me... Like, Have you got a reversing I, camera, by the way? Beep, beep. Um, I, like, I, I just... I think that like using immersive as the criterion by which we like judge these sort of things... Like Age of Sigma has the least immersive... Uh, kind Version. of mechanics that I've ever seen. What? When, when you're like, I have to roll 240 dice for this unit, then I have to pick up all of the ones and roll those ones again, and then I have to pick up all of the hits and roll those and re-roll the ones from those again, and seven minutes later I finish doing this and are we still even playing a game? What happened? Where am I? Like... The, there are things in Age of Sigma that take you so far out of the looking at nice models on a nice tabletop that I like I I don't want to use immersion and whether or not something is immersive as like the the touchstone for whether or not something should be allowed. But I actually agree with the the main point you're making. I just wanted to like rate, rant about immersion for a bit. Well, I want to um, push back against your pushing back against my pushing back, which is against your pushing back. I'm I'm about to come, man. Oh yeah. Um. That hasn't been my experience in playing games of Age of Sigma. Mm. Because I haven't played any games of Age of Sigma. <laughs> <laughs> but in my head, in the games that I imagine in my head. In my head do, you, do you roll hundreds of dice in your head? I No, I just roll dice be, once and the other unit gets deleted. It's got to be something he, he, rolling he, around. Yeah, he, he doesn't need to re-roll anything because they all hit the first time. <laughs> they all, when I do maths and I charge <laughs> 10 witch elves into... Some other unit, they all hit, all wound, and they all do damage to, and the unit just gets taken yeah. off. When you look at a war scroll, do you do <laughs> the number of attacks times the damage and then think to yourself, oh, so that does 24 damage a turn? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what, that's how, what how I, I do. When I'm writing it. a list, I'm like, oh, wow, this has got good damage <laughs> yeah, I, output. I, I remember listening to someone talk about like the, the damage potential of a unit yeah. where they were like, look, the unit can do like 200 damage. I'm like, yeah, but they have to hit on fires to do it. Like yeah. that's not the same thing. Like, yeah. it seems like a very easy way to get disappointed. Yeah, I actually um, because I'm so ingrained reading Warhammer um, 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 statistics. Looking at Age of Sigma is like sometimes like I read Marathi's thing. And I'm like, fuck that. That's so much reading. I'm not even going to bother. I'll just put it on the table. See what happens. Like there's just so many words on that war scroll. And then numbers, and then it's like stars, and it's like, oh, if she's taken this many wounds, it's this, and bo- like it's just a lot to deal with. So I'm gonna have to read those a little bit more before I get into the tournament next weekend. Speaking of, I think we'll have a quick break, and then we'll talk about the tournament.
Okay, and we're back from our little break. Um, and we're going to talk about the blue dragon or the rainbow dragon or the green dragon or the, you know, some kind of coloured dragon. Or not coloured. GT, or not coloured. Yeah, yeah. There's a dragon. There's a, there's a GT. Maybe it's the dragon. Maybe it's the tiger. It's the tiger GT. Yeah. We're talking about the blue dragon GT. Do you, do you know I worked it out? Because um, their logo's a blue dragon. Yeah. The good games. How long did that take you? Uh, I worked it out just before. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, when Gentilly just said it was when I realised. Oh, fuck <laughs> yes, their, their logo is a blue dragon, hence the blue dragon GT. I mean, maybe it's a reference to something else, but I don't think so. Yep, yep. I've just realised that I had Chris on mute for the last couple of minutes. But oh, should we restart? No, nah, he never says anything of any value. Yeah, really. I'm surprised that I've ever been taken off mute, to be honest. All right, Blue Dragon GT. Uh, we're playing it. Brad's not, which we covered in the last episode. Are we excited? Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I was going to say, you don't sound excited, Mr. No, I, I, I'm like, so like, I haven't played any games recently. I've just been super busy with... Uh, like work and my thesis and uh like that side of things that taking three or four hours especially during the week to play a game feels like a huge effort getting a whole weekend dedicated to a tournament is going to be good but yeah at the moment it feels like a a massive commitment and so that that's where my like my hesitation is coming from like i want to do it i'm looking forward to it but i yeah my energy level is pretty low low morale Mm. Well, I've taken the weekend off for it, so I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm going to roll some dice and learn how to play Age of Sigma 2 because, as you know, I haven't played yet. I thought I'd taken the week o- weekend off, but I hadn't, so I'm working night shift <laughs> that weekend. Oh, you really? Oh, boy. So what time do you start night shift? <laughs> so the Friday night, I'm working 11 till 7. Yeah, so you'll be there in time. Yeah, mm. I'm hoping to get a buy around 1 and just sleep till like 11.30 or something. Will we get a buy? Because there's... Maybe. If there's odd players, we'll get a buy. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. That means only four games. For some people, For yeah. some people, but if you're on the top tables, which given that you're playing daughters, you should be. I'll be relatively happy with only four games. But yeah, and then the Saturday night, I have to work at 11 as well. Oh, till seven the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, you are going to be... Sm- I hope I get you day two. Um, <laughs> Probably going to drop, but... Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. See, see how you go. Yeah. So, oh, um, oh, that makes me sad, the buy round. I want to play five. Well, well just, you will play five just, just if you, you get, get the buy, us to swap with somebody who wants the buy. But yeah, I'm already having a buy in round six. <laughs> you, could take one, you could take one for the team and you could drop out and then the rest of us wouldn't have a buy. That's true. That, and then I could just paint all weekend. Yeah. But would you? Or would you go and watch like, the seven sports teams you follow religiously? No, because Essendon's playing on the Friday night. Ah, that, that's so lucky. I'm watching that Friday night. And are, they, are they still in it? I thought they'd missed the finals already three weeks out. No, they haven't. Yeah, but you still get to play the rest of your games, even though you can't make the finals. I was waiting for it. It's mathematically possible if we win and every team above us loses. Oh, that's Collingwood's argument, isn't it? <laughs> but um, anyway... I don't know who any of I'll be watch- are. I'll be watching that Friday night and then I'll be pumped... Um, for Saturday, yeah. I'm so excited to roll dice and like run elves across the table. And funny, actually, like Chris doesn't want to roll dice. Apparently, from what you were saying before, no, I want to roll like a small handful of dice, and for that to be decisive of things, I don't want to have to spend ten minutes to resolve the attacks for every unit. You should enter some kind of like trouble tournament. <laughs> Just roll your roll your one dice with your little popomatic thing in the middle. I, I like when you have rules that say like d6 units on a d3 take d4 wounds, unless you pass a six up save like that's games workshops approach to rule writing and it, it shits me but what one, realm is on the it realm in? exactly yeah I'm, I'm actually there is one thing I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about 
not not necessarily so much the like playing a full weekend of a tournament, but like seeing my uh, like armies on tables again is something I haven't done in ages. There's been yeah. like I, I've been painting, I've been playing with unfinished armies, and yeah, like just having like a whole room full of Age of Sigmar armies is going to be like. Definitely a pretty good buzz for me from a hobby perspective. Yeah, none of my models are going to be painted, so I'm going to... Yeah, but buzz, buzz you, you've got the buy bit. and then you're dropping out, so you're only going to be there for a couple of hours anyway. Yeah, that's probably fair. More so, rolling, more fun. That's my approach. That's hence the Witch Elf Army? Yeah. Seems fair. Yeah, I actually don't even know how they work. I'm super keen. This is my fourth AOS event. The, the first event I rocked up to, I didn't know a single person there. Um, everyone was great, super inclusive community. Uh, next event, Nick came along too. Last event, I flew solo again, so it's going to be awesome to, to have some of my old mates there, and that's the, the main thing that I'm sort of looking forward to, to What, be what was the last event? Uh, last event was in Ringwood. Ardfists. Ardfists. Um, mm. It was a ah. bit of a schmozzle. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it, was, it was really good fun, but they, they fucked the, um, the logistics up massively. Yeah, I, I got my timeline right. I, I, I thought that was the one that Nick went to. but uh, Is that the one where um, someone pulled out of a grudge or something? Yes, that's, that's precisely what happened. And, um, is, it, is this something that's okay in the Age of Sigma tournament scene? Because certainly when back in my day, when I was playing Warhammer, grudging someone and then pulling out of a grudge was not okay. I, I mean, I remember things going even further where a lot of the time grudges would have like additional riders and prop mm-hmm. bets hinging on the outcome. Some kind of bunny outfit. I, 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 remember, I remember Alex correctly. Kinwild having to wear a rabbit suit for an entire day of tournaments, uh, like sweating the fuck through it. And yeah, like got to the end of it and never grudged me again. That was legitimately the worst idea. One of the most hard-fought games of Warhammer I've ever seen was that bunny match between <laughs> you and Alex. Because the stakes, ladies and gentlemen, what, the loser had to wear a bunny suit for an entire weekend in probably in summer in Australia, which is a bad enough idea. And not the fun kind of but like Playboy bunny suit where you'd at least have some aeration. Yeah, it was like, like a full furry rabbit costume. Yeah, this is no just n- not just a corset and like a little bunny tail. Why didn't you just pull out of the grudge? Oh, wait, because <laughs> that's not something that you do. Because a grudge is a contract in honour where the winner gets to hold it over the loser... Until they grudge once more and, so, s- and write it in your book of grudges and therefore you can tick them off the list as you go. So just say, for instance, I don't know, maybe like a whole club grudged another club. That's actually a really oh. fun thing to do. Like you get a lot of rivalry, yeah, a awesome. lot of build up. Let's but just say they maybe did that for CanCon. Oh, did they? Yeah. that's a like, And then maybe they checked the AOS rankings and they dropped out of the grudge. What? Well, hang on, what? That's I don't understand. Do, yeah, I, tell- do I need to go back a few steps? I yeah. think so. So I, I, I believe, I'm just, I'm, I'm purely going off the social media here, so it's secondhand information, but I think the boys up in Bendigo, Measured Gaming, shout out to Measured Gaming. <laughs> and good have, games, are they measured? They're fantastic blokes. Might have called out the Clan Filth boys up in Sydney who have, mm, I don't know, maybe got tickets on themselves. The Clan Filth boys said, yeah, sure, let's do it, and have subsequently pulled out of the grudge. That is outrageous. A whole club put out of a... Can they even be a gaming club at this point? Or are they just a group of sissy, wussy humans? I mean, which we should be fair, like half of the people here haven't played an Age of Sigma tournament yet. So maybe we should wait to see what kind of honourable culture of the samurai is instilled in the Age of Sigma scene. But yeah, I, I, let, let's not be too harsh on them. 
there might be a legitimate explanation for this, but yeah, there I is a legitimate. I don't think anyone's passing judgment here. I think we're just yeah. we're we're stating what may or may not have happened, and we don't judge anyone here well, on the dwellers. We well, just leave it to just, the people. To I'm decide. fucking passing judgment right now, <laughs> and that is not okay. In fact, I would like to grudge all of them at a tournament and play them one at a time. And you know what? I'm not going to do pull out of that fucking grudge any of them because it's not okay. Yeah, so standing challenge to anyone who's been you know, pulled out of a grudge. Gentilly has now grudged you. Yeah, all of you. So, Gentilly, what's worse, pulling out of a grudge or, or doing a Brad and pulling out of a tournament? Oh, I'm definitely pulling out of a grudge. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely pulling out of a grudge. That is, that is just, a, that's just not okay. What about a Kakwa who's possibly going to pull out of a grudge and a tournament? Oh, that's well, a double You know what? Double bad. There's a silver lining to that because if Kakwa doesn't come, I've got a second grudge lined up with Randy, oh. our favourite Tasmanian, <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be a prop put on this because knowing this bloke, there's, uh, there's going to be very high stakes. How good are prop bets? Will he pull out of that grudge? No, absolutely not. This guy is reliable. So we're just est- I just need to establish whether I rejoin this scene or not. <laughs> <laughs> is pulling out of grudges accepted or is it not accepted? I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Not at any Dwellers Below events. No, definitely not. Definitely. Not that we're running any events. but Well, well, actually... We don't play any games and we still have a podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't play games. We don't. Aren't you talking about an event, Nick? Oh, I'll be running an event. Yeah? Def- well, this won't allow grudges because it's a narrative event. Yeah, so this is Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss, that's right. Yeah. And it's a map-based narrative event. Um, <laughs> fucking Twilight this is, like, My 16 year old sister wants to play in this event Have you, have you seen the film Vampire's Kiss? Okay, <laughs> your 16 year old sister will be fucking scarred by it So do you want to hear about this event? Because this is the plans, right? This is going to be amazing So there's four is this, gr- is this in any way related to the Blue Dragon GT? <laughs> it's a separate event It's a different one to the Blue yeah, Dragon So no, GT. carry on yeah. um, So, so there's, there's four great alliances, right? Order, Death, Destruction and Chaos, right? Yep. Five players from each Grand Alliance. Mm-hmm. They get thrown into a team together. Then there's a map. And on this map is different regions. And depending on... And these regions are um, particular tables that I will have set up and the terrain is appropriate for whatever. And, and you can have like realm rules being it, table specific? It's going to be a realm. And then I'm going to determine what realm rule applies to each region in this realm. And I'm yeah. thinking realm of fire at the moment because that seems the easiest. Oh, so so like the whole tournament will be in the realm of fire. For yeah. Example. Well, it's not, well, not really, sorry, not tournament, but like the whole, the whole campaign is, event is thing realm will of be, fire. okay. Yeah. And it'll be a particular region in realm of fire, which I'll have a map. For. So there won't be the realm gates. Well, there may be a realm gate in one of the areas to get to a different realm. Could be, Ooh. could be. Um, and so depending on which Grand Alliance wins their battles and where, you hold particular regions. And if you then fight another battle in that region and your um, alliance holds it, you get an extra command trait from your Grand Alliance. So you'll get your normal army command trait and then you get a bonus one. Or I'm, I'm thinking about what would be an appropriate bonus without it being stupid, if so, you know what I mean. So, so you're, you're basically, you've got all four Grand Alliances playing... Like a campaign in a weekend kind of thing? As as a team. This is very similar to a Warhammer historical one that I went to and it was amazing. It worked really well. So I'm trying to adapt this to um, Age of Sigma. But aren't there only two alliances in Warhammer historical? Yeah, and that's why it was much easier to run Mm. and and go about. Have you changed your Twitter handle so it says Neo at the end? No. So there's a community of people like you. (laughs) (laughs) Narrative event... Organizers, the Neo. What? You, should, you should check this out. What are they on? I, I think they've got a website called We Are the Neo. We Are the Neo. 
Is this for like miniature gaming narrative events or just narrative events in general? Like get the LARPers on board. These are my people. Okay, we are the Neo. That might be a porn site. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Um, either way. Yeah, either we're way. Go, we're good. going there. Um, we are the Neo. Brand campaigns communications. We are Neo. No, that doesn't sound right. Uh, I'll just put narrative event organize. Um, anyway, this is this is gripping. gripping um, no, so, so, so like on that, like one of the podcasts I've been listening to recently and really enjoying it has been the Neon. Honest War Gamer. Mm. And part of what I've really enjoyed about it is that they they do this kind of thing as well, where like you know, like yeah. podcasting in action, shit happens. They talk about it. They get off track. Someone looks up a website and they have to feel like. Four minutes of time whilst Gentilly tries to work out what he's actually looking at. And then they throw back to him and he can tell us about We Are Neo. Yeah, so We Are the Neon. So that, I'm going to check that out. <laughs> What's the final N stand for? Don't know. Uh, Nick, that's me. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be, yeah, I'm going to be running this event and I'm going to contact these guys because I'm sure they've got some good ideas. But um, essentially. These guys that you didn't know existed like three minutes ago. Yeah, but now I know them. Um, the. It's going to be really cool because what I found when I went to this other event, and it's heresy, Horace Heresy run events like this as well, is it doesn't matter about your game so much. You still feel included and um, part of all the action because it's all about how many um, sections your alliance or your group can hold. Um, And that gives you some bonuses and the tables match where they are and um, the way that I want people to build their armies is going to be really narrative. And what I'm hoping is that um, I want to make this a really, if it becomes a you know a regular event or a semi-regular event, is that the hobby component is really strong in it. Um, so there'll be obviously there'll be prizes for winning, but um, the biggest prizes will be for you know best army, best single figure, that sort of stuff. That's most fine. dice rolled. Yeah, most dice rolled. Um, best backstory for your characters. Best display board. Best, no, I think the display boards are stupid. <laughs> I think that's so dumb. So um, there's this <laughs> awesome sounding event in the UK. I heard about it on the Pro Painted podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a great podcast, by it's the way. It's an excellent podcast. And I'm not sure, I can't remember who's running it because it was a couple of weeks ago I was listening to it. But he's organizing this event and he's setting the armies, not just which army you have to use. He's writing the army list for people. Oh. And he's saying, this is your army list. And he's sending that to them. And then they have to paint up that army and That's those cool. models. So it's not even like, here's a list of the models I've got. It's like, here's what you're going to have painted for the event. And it's here's this themed list that you're going to do. That's and really so it's cool. just taking it to the wow. totally so the next level. I want to say that that guy's called the Dog Father, but I just don't know that that's anyone's nickname. I reckon it's the Dog Father's Yeah, I, I think you might be right. It's the same guy who did the Doggers Invitational, which might have been a different event. <laughs> but I, I reckon that's that, a great that, idea. That second one sounds like a Black Sun event through and through. Because one of the guys from that podcast is from the Black Sun, right? No. Maybe. Yeah, Matt oh, Lyons. Oh, yeah, yeah, Matt Lyons. All right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Dogger D's. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I, I, reckon, I reckon that'll be fun. But that's not what Blue Dragon is. What is Blue Dragon? Blue Dragon is, where is it, Sam? Good games, Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Another couple, um, another couple of dollars in the pocket. And it's only five games, so it's not a tournament. It's, just, it's a hobby weekend. It's a hobby weekend. Um, with, no, it, with no hobby required. Because <laughs> the Oxford Dictionary defines a tournament as six or more games of Warhammer. Call to Glory, Aftermath, CanCon 2019, six games. That's less than eight. That's oh, not eight. boy. Yeah. I, I remember the days when CanCon would be eight games of yeah. Warhammer. When men and women went 
And didn't not, back out of grudges? Not boys and girls. And I nobody backed out of grudges. Six games and getting a day to check out the convention is fucking sick. Oh, Are you actually going to go check I've out been the, to the convention? CanCon is not a convention that I feel... I mean, maybe it's because we've been a bunch of times, but I, I don't feel the need to check out the convention at CanCon, although like maybe we can just book in a full-day karaoke session. Do you know, if you want to check out the convention, I'll do it for you really short. Get a set of plastic toy soldiers, the green ones, green army men. Go to a nursing home. Get the grumpiest old man you can find, put them in front of him and talk to him. Does he have a neck beard? <laughs> he has a neck beard. That is the CanCon convention that is not Age of Sigma. Does he have Done. a podcast called Cast Dice? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the nursing home's in Australia, not Canada. <laughs> so that's CanCon in a nutshell. So that's, We've talked more about CanCon, which is in January, than we have about the Blue Dragon GT. I'm excited for CanCon. Well, why don't we talk yeah, about that? Yeah, actually, me too. How about, we, how about we do some content that's you know, directly relevant to Blue Dragon? Oh, who are you, the host, are you? If we, start, <laughs> if we start with Nick, there's a chance we can shut him up for the rest of the segment. <laughs> I'm not sure that's ever going to be possible. All right, Blue Dragon GT. When is it? It's next weekend? Yeah, like a week. So probably last weekend by the time I've edited this episode. Yeah, because someone's... Actually, it might be CanCon by the time you're hearing this. It could well be. Turns out Gentilly being back is not going to help the editing. <laughs> but Dave's not here, that'll help. So Blue Dragon GT, it's a tournament? Oh no, it's a hobby weekend. <laughs> it's a five-game hobby weekend. Five-game hobby weekend. Run it. And Good immersive, games Melbourne. Immersive hobby it, weekend. It'll be as immersive as you can be whilst rolling dice and checking which ones have ones on them. So we're playing the, the new edition, mm-hmm. AOS 2. First time tournament for... First time games for some of us. Yep. First time AOS 2 tournament. I, I, have, I haven't played an AOS 2 tournament yet. I haven't played an AOS 2 game. Mm. I've played, yeah, not many. But none of us will have played an AOS 2 tournament after this weekend anyway. Because it's a gaming <laughs> weekend. <laughs> so anyway, All five right. games, two yep. days. Uh, 2,000 points. Could be four games if you have a buy. Using the realms only to affect yeah, now the this endless is spells. And like, for the artifacts you can choose, no other sort of realm interaction. Yeah, so, so maybe we should buttress this section by saying that this will be like some talk about the tournament pack itself, I think yeah, is where we're heading here. Mm-hmm. Um, We've literally just summarised the whole pack. Yeah. Right. Oh, th- there's the hobby section, which you've totally glossed over. What about... Right, so, so realm rules. So as far as I understand it, there's like realm terrain, which is not being used. Mm-hmm. There's realm spells, which are not being used. Mm-hmm. Then there's the realm... Is there anything else? There's, oh, there's command the, abilities. So, so there's the realm items which come from your army. So which you, 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 but you create them. When yeah, you make the artifacts are fine. Yep. Yeah. So the, the realm you pick as your army it has no bearing on the realm you use in a game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. Okay. So what are what what do the realms do? So there's realmscape rules. They're out. So I think the only thing that the realms do is they affect the endless spell. So for instance, it'll be like you've cast the purple sun, this works further in the realm of death. So I think each round they'll roll for all of the tables and it'll be like, okay, everyone's fighting in Gur or everyone's fighting in... Wrong! That's incorrect. (laughs) All right, tell me then, how's it going to work? When you go to the table, you and your opponent roll off and the winner chooses which realm your battle is being fought in. For this event? For this event. Okay. Yeah. So Um, all we're rolling for is whether like some of the... Endless spells get an extra move or not, basically. That's right. Yeah. You, is your endless spell more powerful or not? That's what the roll-off's going to be. Seems, yeah, a bit. I, like, I was really excited when I saw they were using the realm rules and then the caveat to not use the realm rules. The problem was they locked down the pack prior to the FAQ, which was sensible because yeah, yeah. They, they needed to have a pack for people to know whether they want to go or not. And then some of the obnoxious stuff got toned down pretty significantly yeah. um, through the FAQ. But the, you, 
you couldn't predict what is was going to happen. Is the obnoxious stuff there. backing out of grudges? Because that's pretty fucking obnoxious. <laughs> so I'm inclined to be permissive at the start of an edition. And, and we kind of talked about this in the last episode, but when we topped to, to eighth edition from seventh edition, I was, I was all for basically just, you know, using the rules as they were and you can restrict from there. But if you start restricted, you don't really ever get a, a sense of what it's like without it. So I, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, you know, give the realm rules a go, you know, it's give like, the realmscape I, features or whatever, whatever they, give it a go, try it out. And if it doesn't work, then start restricting it. Cause you, you never find out if it works, if you never try it. That's so right. I, I, in as much as I agree, there, there are two counterpoints. The first one I think is kind of personal, which is that like, I still don't know half of the rules for my army. I certainly don't know any of the rules of anyone else's and layering on top of that different rules for different uh, realmscapes and spells and things. That's a lot of fucking stuff to be keeping track of at the start of a new edition. Uh, whilst, but that said, I would agree in principle that we should still be using it and just get over it. But like Games Workshop themselves had to release a like FAQ designer's notes commentary thing saying which of the rules in their rule book are the ones that they think tournaments should be using. Like Even the, that's vague dross. Yeah, like, like, I read that and I was like, this is not helpful at like, all. Like the fact that that needs to happen and that the official response is still... Very vague. So there's a question of intent. What yeah. what was the intent for competitive matched play? And I feel like the realm rules blur the boundaries of both matched and narrative. And mm-hmm. perhaps they have a place in both. But um, for this particular event, I think they made the right call. I, so, I think I think I would like to counterpoint your counterpoint. Are you we, pushing back? Push back, baby. I'm going to push back. Um, but I think you you can't give. You have to go all in. You have to go. The realm rules or no realm rules? Is this you speaking or the neon? <laughs> this is me as the neon spokesperson. <laughs> the spokesperson of um, home of narrative event organisers. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm the spokesperson of the narrative event organisers network right now. Um, and what I'm saying is you have to go all in with the narrative rules because to get, you're giving advantage to people who are taking endless spells. So if you're taking an endless spell that gets more powered up, and I don't know the rules because I haven't read them, but um, if you're getting an endless spell that's more powered up in the realm of death, then your opponent who hasn't chosen to take the purple sun should have the other things that come with that realm so that at least that balance, they get a benefit of being in that realm as well rather than you getting all the benefit and they're getting none of it. Yeah, I think either way, like some armies will be more benefited or less benefited than others. Just pushing back on your pushback. Yeah. Um, but I just, it seems really weird that all you're rolling for is to see which endless spell moves slightly further. Why not just get rid of it and use the endless spell rules straight up? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think that would be a, a more like straightforward solution, uh, but that's not what we've got. And to push back against the pushing back of the pushback and the push... Ooh, 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 um, like, I think there's... The, like, the principle I've always tried to hold to is like a tournament organiser is giving up their time to not even play an event... Uh, in, for the most part, so they are like they set the pack, they they make the rules that they think are good that they want to play by, and then we appreciate the effort that they're putting in to contribute to the tournament scene in that way, and we you know like we we can make suggestions for how they could be improved, but to some extent like there are lots of different things that can be done, and we should you know try them out and see how they work. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's we don't know whether it's a bad or good thing. Could be amazing. Could work really well. Mm. I'm looking forward to giving it a try anyway. Yeah. Um, so what else do we need to talk about in the pack? Hobby-wise. Um, hobby it's, it's an interesting one. So this is probably the first time in 
almost forever that I'll be using a totally unpainted army at a tournament. No, you're doing non-plastic plastic grey. Okay, I'm doing non-plastic plastic grey, and yeah. I expect a painting award for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ghosts are grey. Because it's very realistically sprue coloured. Yeah, it looks great. It's a high concept army. They're, they're really popular on the Con- UK scene. Concept army, <laughs> fucking hell. I'm like the Chris Tomlin of um, of Australian. So, so what do people mean by concept army? Because I like I can think of several different things that could be captured by that. I, I think the premise of a concept army is you know o- over the course of a long war gaming career, I've painted a lot of award winning armies. Um, therefore, I can you know maybe sit one out and just do a, a grey army that I've then dry brushed a lighter grey and call it a concept army. Say, oh, you know, I'm referencing Frank Miller and the the really the dark cinematic sort of graphic novel. That. Yeah, what? I thought about doing a, a comic book black and white army because I was lazy. It's like but, the time Stax did an undead army that he sprayed black and then he sprayed white. The the thing is with that kind of thing though, like, yeah, like that's a concept. If it's, ec- army. If yeah. it's executed really well, I suspect it probably looks awesome. When whenever I've seen them, um, admittedly just on like Twitter photos or whatever, it just looks like grey plastic. Right. I th- yeah, like if you put the effort in, I, I, like I've seen some cool concept armies, and I'm, I'm cool with them. Yeah, so. I haven't seen. Any I think the spot color is really important. So, if the, depending on the, the color they use to sort of make the army pop, which tone um, of grey? There was a really awesome one. It was the Venetian court. So it was like a, a um, crypt. What's the crypt army called? So it's just flesh eater court. Flesh eater courts. Like so a really awesome flesh eater courts one I saw. But I, I think it takes effort. What was it? Describe it in detail to me. It was flesh eater corpse. I think it was like henchmen and stuff. Yeah. Like a Venetian city. Yeah. Manticores instead of um, the flying guys. It was pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the concept is like something different, something non standard uh, that may or may not reduce the amount of blending and layering that people are expecting. Does that mean Jabe was ahead of the curve? Did Jabe have the very first. Concept army. He was high concept. <laughs> the brown, green, and blue tack army of orcs. Probably not. Let's face it. I reckon it was. No, All right. Did, so we're talking about the hobby at the Blue Dragon Grand Tournament. The lack it. thereof. So the Good Games Melbourne. Um, so you can take an unpainted army, which is the reason I'm going because I'm working feverishly on my Daughters of the Cane, and I don't wasn't really going to go to anything until they were done. And then I found out I could go to this and Sam's lending me some stuff. So if it was fully painted required, I wouldn't be there. Yeah, and I think that's why the, the painting... So there, is, there are still rewards for painting and awards for painting, but they're separate from the gaming. So there's no, the, the painting has no influence on the gaming, which I think, you know, it's got merit. Um, certainly at this early stage, it's you know, early stage of AOS 2, a lot of new players are going to be playing, I think. So mm. it's definitely got merit. Maybe longer term, I'd... I'd prefer a shift away from that because I, I do prefer playing with and against painted miniatures. I just think it looks nicer, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. Something that happens in the Malifaux scene a lot is that they'll say this is a beginner-friendly event and therefore there's no painting requirement. Um, and then the counterpoint to that is when they want to run, you know, hyper-competitive events or painting prizes or whatever, they put that in the pack. So they have two distinct types of events. And so I think you're right for what you're saying, Nick, in that... Um, and when I say Nick, I'm referring to you, not me, because I'm always right. Um, in that you can... I think there's a place for AOS events that do encourage new players that allow you to test some stuff out and bring your armies along and test the game out without having a painting requirement. And, and I guess and some of that is context. Like, th- there's a relatively new uh, like push to get people playing uh, 
like Age of Sigmar at the store. There's a group of really enthusiastic people there that I think are going to be forming the backbone of the tournament. Some of them have existing armies, some of them don't. Mm. There's a new edition that's just come out. Uh, you know, like if there's a tournament that's not going to be demanding paint, like fully painted armies, this seems like a pretty good context in which to do that. Mm. Um, and yeah, like Nick's taking a different army. Nick's playing in the first place. I'm not sure about Nick, but yeah. yeah. So what's a bit weird about this is the way the painting prizes are awarded. Um, it's Yeah, so there's there's no kind of player's choice painting award like you, there would normally be. It's players um, and plebs. It's, it's being done by a painting judge, but the painting judge is marking to a, a kind of a set of points. So he's allocating points for different things. So I've got it here. It's, you know, three colour minimum is five points. Textured or otherwise modelled bases is five points. And this is where, for me, it gets a bit weird. So you've got, you know, attention to detail, zero points to 20 points, which is, which is fairly normal. But then objective markers, also zero to 20 points. Army display board, zero to 10 points. And, and, that's, and that's what the, the criteria for the painting is. So the actual models themselves are only worth literally half of, you know, the points for the painting. And 10 of those points are just the bases and being three colour minimum. So realistically, to compete for a painting award, you have to have objective markers and a display board which is worth even more than just the actual quality of the painted miniatures which is for me it was a bit of a turnoff so I was going to play my um, my lizard men because they're painted and, and hopefully compete for a painting award but I don't have a display board I don't have the objective markers I'm not going to make a display board because the way I've got my bases set up it's really hard to kind of replicate that on a display board so for me the painting isn't encouraging me to use my well-painted army so there's no reason for me to take, you know, the painted stuff. I'm just going to take the, the grey sprue uh, night one, which, which means I get to play them, which is good. But, yeah, it's just an odd one that there's so much of the painting award points are, are based on the fact that you have to have a display board. Because, you know, if you have a pretty basic display board that's going to get you middling points and pretty basic um, objective markers, that's going to get you 15 out of, um, out of 30 for po points for that, which is almost as much as you can get for having a really, really well-painted army. To, to push back on your point, um, <laughs> we need objective markers to play the game. So I, I don't find that that obscene to have that included in the painting. If you have objective markers that match your army, I think that's great and I think you should get points for that. But I find it a lot more practical, particularly in a game, to have just a flat token yeah. as an objective marker because models mm. are moving. The whole point is that you want to be on or near the objective markers. Mm. So having a, a really cool 3D well-painted objective marker is cool, but it's not actually... It doesn't exist on the tabletop. In, in the games so, I've played... That's not very immersive. It's not the, very immersive. In the games I've played, really well-modelled objective markers work best. We use poker chips. They work best. Yeah. They have numbers on them and like an mm -hmm. America and a, uh, an eagle and it says America, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. America. <laughs> um, do you know what I think? I, I don't like display boards as a concept because you're putting all this effort into making terrain that you're never actually going to put on the table. I think they're actually a bit silly. And unless you're going to have your army on display in your house or in a museum or whatever, what happens is you make a display board and then it ends up in the garage and falls apart. And yeah, like they're dust. great for concept armies. Yeah. So th this is maybe a way of solving some of the problem that you had with uh, tables not being... Uh, and s some of this is a throwback to the old 8th edition tournaments, but mm. something that Australia never did was asking people to bring their own terrain or including the terrain. So this is something that happens <laughs> in the UK. Right out of my mouth. It was definitely it while I was kissing like you. Kissing 
like in, in the UK, one of the expectations at some tournaments is that people will show up with, like back then it was three, but now maybe it's four or five pieces of terrain. Uh, may or may not be themed with your army, but like having good terrain is part of what counts as having a completed army for a yes. tournament. And then you have good terrain on every table because you've got two people providing pieces. Yep. Uh, that's maybe something that could be looked at for the future. That's exactly Pro- probably not for this kind of you know this kind of an introductory tournament, but yeah, you know, maybe that's a, the sort of move that would make things a lot easier on tournament organisers as well. Well, this is what I was thinking for my daughters. Is obviously they're from Ulgu, the realm of shadow. Obviously, and obviously. then I was going to do a um, set of terrain to match that. And so then at tournaments where I do need to bring a display board, I'm just going to bring some piece of wood and put the terrain that I've made for the mm. table. To match them, and, and that'll be enough. And yeah, I think- like I don't mind display boards. I think they do look cool, um, but and and it's very easy to make a simple display board that looks quite nice. But you can just go to Macca's and get but, a tray. But well, exactly. But you're right. I think encouraging people to make terrain that they can then use at home or or, or bring for, for for the tournaments, which you know, as the scene gets bigger, you know, it's going to stretch the t- the terrain kind of capabilities of the the Melbourne scene. Because I mean, even we've been you know criticised for playing games with not enough terrain. Um, so that's something to get used to is, is using more terrain. And so maybe, yeah, encouraging people to paint terrain rather than display boards and objective markers is, is maybe the way to go. So what would you say is a worse faux pas? Playing a game with not enough terrain or grudging someone then pulling out of the grudge? I think it's probably playing a game with not enough terrain because there's an objective amount of terrain that you have to have and anything else is just not in the spirit of the rules. Mm-hmm. But, but but pulling out of a grudge, that's just a grey area and we shouldn't judge. We shouldn't... I'm judging. I'm I think not enough judging. terrain is cheating and cheating should definitely be frowned upon. So, so does... The, but hang on. Also, isn't using too much terrain cheating? And so Sylvaneth armies that just like spam some terrain onto the board, that's like actually just not... Fair. So I think at CanCon it's going to be BYO terrain because I don't think they're going to be able to do 75 tables. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, So I really? anticipate probably the pack will say two, three, four pieces per player. Just do what they did at the ETC and use flat terrain. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fair bit of disdain for the old flat terrain. I will flip the tables. if the And the T9As. It'll, it'll have a lot less impact if it's just got flat terrain on That's it. That's true. Just printed paper. And a few bits of paper will just kind of float away. Float away. <laughs> but if you bring your own terrain... Mm-hmm. I, I see two problems with that. One, you're always playing with the same terrain. Not Are if you, you set them up and leave them and then yeah. come back to them. No, I think you I take like them with idea. you. Yeah. I think take them with you. Mm. And then, but then counterpoint to that is you're getting mismatched terrain on the table. So you're having half realm of it's shadow. better than having fine. no terrain on the table. Or you just do what Ben Johnson does and paint a full table's worth of terrain, carry it around and all your opponents go, yeah, that's fine. We'll just use your terrain. That is legitimately really the cool. plan that's in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Is I'm just going to do a full tables worth of terrain and play on my own table the whole weekend. Yeah. Bring a gaming mat. Your next level, like, hey, hey, just, look, it's seventeen just, Citadel words. Um, hey, look, I haven't played a single game of AOS two, but I'm going to commission gonna a whole, a whole table, table worth of terrain. It's not actually that much terrain. It's, it's really not. It's like twelve odd pieces. Twelve pieces. Yeah, that's not that much. Well, uh, I should say that's more pieces of terrain than you've painted models in the last couple of weeks. No, no, I've painted. 13 models. <laughs> How convenient. Um, no, no, but my terrain's going to be easy and you'll see it's a concept army. You'll see when it's, um, <laughs> when it's done. It's going to look amazing and I will win painting prizes and everyone will bow to me. It's from no the realm one of, will ever pull out of a grudge again. It's from the realm of shadow. Is it just going to be like a light to one side of the thing and you're just going to be like, look, there's some shadows. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, great concept. All right, I think we'll take a break because we're 
haven't even really touched on the topic we were meant to talk, talk about, which is the list that we're using at this event. So we'll have a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about our army list. Let's talk about our list, but before we do that, Sam, you've just told us it's your it's your motherfucking birthday. How young are you? Thirty one years old. Thirty one oh, years young. Happy birthday! I celebrated by going to this fancy butcher and buying a seven hundred and sixty gram steak, which costs like fifty dollars. <laughs> That's and not I a steak. Ate, I ate that motherfucker. <laughs> and now I feel really sick. <laughs> that is not a steak. That is a cow. It was a mistake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that. Do you know what else is a mistake? Mm. Pulling out of a fucking grave. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a five-game event? A yeah. Game event. Yeah, yeah. Display boards? Mm, they're a mistake. Not enough terrain? Mistake? All right. You know, what it, you know what's also a mistake? What's that? My list. <laughs> oh, what is it? So, I, I, I'm just using my... It, it's literally my ETC 8th edition Chaos Army. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, like, one unit added. So that it, list wasn't even good at the ETC. What do you mean? It was fucking great. Great, like crushed. Maybe the dark elf one that you borrowed off me. No, I got like sixty battle points. Oh, that's is, a lot. Is sixty good at the ATC? It's good for Australia. I knocked that over in a day and a half. Sorry. <laughs> sixty would be good in a five-game sort of hobby weekend. <laughs> Did you grudge people at the ATC? <laughs> Literally every game is a grudge where you hate the other country. But but we we did also grudge uh, the English and the Germans. But most of all, you hate Poland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means the um those. That gaming club could never play at the ETC. <laughs> Chris, your so, list. Yeah, um, my list is garbage. It's um, like, uh, so I, I'll run through it very quickly. You can tell me that it's shit and then we can move on to something more productive. Uh, so I'm running a Fate Sworn Warband, for, which is mostly based on Slave to Darkness unit, Slaves of, s- some kind of slavey, darknessy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two Lords on Demonic Mount. What are their names? They don't have names. They're, they're just. Like models that I push around. Why? Where? What's their motivations? Why have they put this army together? Chaos. They want. They want to give people plus one to hit. So they they roll around the countryside doing that. Your army would be banned from my narrative. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so good, that good thing I'm starting a Stormcast army where they're fighting to free the oppressed peoples of the Dwarden and the free people from the tyranny of Sigma. You just like That's slaves, don't you? you get your slaves to darkness. You get your slaves, slaves to, to Sigma. I mean, everyone's a slave to Sigma. We need to overthrow this corrupt system and you know move forward towards a socialist Warhammer utopia. Good on you, sticking up for the little guy. Exactly. Ooh, I can do theme. Yeah. I can also do shitty, whatever, non-immersive gaming. Uh, so there's two Lords of Chaos on Demonic Mounts. Uh, 
a fate sworn fate no Sam knows what it's called. What's what's the guy on a disc? Fate Weaver. Fate, fate Weaver. No, that's Chorus Fate Weaver. Yeah, there's a fate guy on a disc. Uh, a Cursling of Zinch, who I hear is pretty good. Um, actually, actually is pretty good. And then a couple of units of warriors, some knights, some marauders, some marauder horsemen, a chaos chariot, uh, and a chimera. Uh, so some of those things are really good, and some of them are really shit. Yes, I can probably guess which ones are really good. Um, and it, the answer is that like, most of them are not. Uh, <laughs> Do you still call your chimera a good boy? <laughs> I don't know that I ever called him a good boy. He's t- I, I, I don't understand the joke. Someone needs to explain it to me. No, I'm not going there. I think we should go there. There's no joke. There's no joke. <laughs> um, so yeah. how does this... What's the tech? Is that the right word? All right. So, so I think there is a world in which this list is okay. And that world is in like maybe six months time. Um, so so that, like the way that from reading lists from tournaments that have already happened since the new edition came out, like, I think like the level one thing to do, the, the most obvious thing, is to take advantage of some of the busted like stacking command abilities and the silly synergies that you can do w- between command abilities and spells and... Combo. And units. Yeah, like the silly combos. So that was something like the goblin champion that did... 300 damage in a turn which has since been like nerfed but like finding those kind of exploitative uh like synergistic mismatches in rules that let you do silly stuff so that's what you did nate and that's what you're doing now yep so it's like i I think uh, especially the command abilities that they brought out uh definitely lend themselves or the, the change to the way that commanded abilities work lends itself to finding things that you can just repeat three or four times and have like exponentially silly effects. Mm. Miami doesn't do that. How many knights are you running in the, the knight unit? Nine. Yeah, so nine, that, that's pretty tanky. Oh, oh yeah. So, so, so what Miami, I, I'll, I'll get to what the army actually does all right. Uh, so like step one is doing silly command things and synergy things and Miami doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're making the wrong command choices by sending units in the wrong direction? Or uh, uh, Mentee's yeah. got two command abilities that I can think of. So he's got the Fate Master who has... Yeah, I've, like, got, you I've got two shit command abilities, his, neither of them are Whatever he rolls. Good. And I, I think that the Demonic Lord is okay. No, so like, plus one to hit is really, really useful. It's and good. And being able to re-roll charges when you're outside of his... Yeah. His, um, but, but also it only works on well. like the knights and the chariot, which just is just the knights. You're yeah. not going to do it on the chariot, surely. I've done it on the chariot. I'll do it again. Oh boy, yeah, um, yes. I think like the next step, if you're expecting all your opponents to do silly command things, leaning on like five wound characters to mm-hmm. stack command abilities, is going to be taking armies that are very good at character assassination and countering that. Mm. Whether that's having like a lot of chaff. Uh, being able to move around the board really well or just having things that do direct damage to characters well. Mm. And Miami doesn't do that either. So oh. then I think if everyone's, if people start doing that, the third and final thing, which is where Miami might be okay, is just having a bunch of things that are independently mediocre mm-hmm. and not being especially vulnerable to like people doing good things. Which doesn't sound like a very good plan. It's probably not. But like, Miami has... Like rend one across the board, so people who have a bunch of armor are going to be one less. Are going to have one less, so it just kind of averages things out a bit in that sense. Uh, my the army as a whole has uh, a lot of units have a six up ward save against damage. Their armor save and their number of wounds for the amount of points you pay is fairly high. The characters have uh, ward saves against mortal wounds, as do the warriors and the knights. So there's a lot of ways of mitigating incoming damage. 
I'm not relying on command abilities or anything to get my damage output. And so I, I, th- I think like the army can just waddle up to objectives and maybe be okay at holding them some of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's about all I'm hoping from them. So I think you've built a pretty compelling narrative sort of underselling your army. I, re- I reckon it'll be okay. And in scenario-based gaming, if, yeah. if it's a pitched battle, that's a, that's a terrible list. Yeah. But we're not playing pitched battle. Yeah, but um, people are going to have to shift like nine right. warriors and nine knights off objectives whilst also like fighting through lords that can re-roll armor saves and thing, being immune to battle shock and things like that. So it'll do okay yeah, There's also objectives. this value to playing a, a bit of a left field army. So you've just mentioned a lot of your stuff as a, say, an armor save, then a five up against mortals and a six up against mortals or normal wounds. That makes you really durable. And unless you've actually played against durable lists, it's difficult um, to assess just how durable they are. So I think quite often what will happen is um, people won't send in quite enough stuff to kill off a unit in its entirety. You'll continue to score and that'll be really yeah. beneficial for There's you. There's actually an easy way to mitigate for that though, which I've, I found really effective when my opponents do it, is me forgetting that I even have a six-up ward save. <laughs> mm. One thing I hope happens is when people kill the last of your knights, they say, Good, Good night! night. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, should yeah. I go onto my list? I think you should, and I think we haven't had an accent in a long time. <laughs> I can I we feel like can we hook us up with some kind of? I think the world might have moved on. That that's have, probably going to trigger someone somewhere. That's what not, if you do an Australian accent? Oh, let's can give us your best um, Aussie war gamer. Aussie war gamer. All right. So allegiance, daughters of Cain. Cain. Uh, temple Sheilas <laughs> Sheilas of Cain um, Sheilas of Cain Mortal Realm Olgu uh, Temple Drachi Ganeth I'm sorry I thought we don't allow temples in Australia uh, Depends which ones they are <laughs> um, Marathi High Oracle of Cain um, Law of Shadows Shroud of Despair Which is what I'm going to be Heaping on my opponents Despair. Shrouds. Shrouds. And despair. Um, Slaughter Queen and Cauldron of Blood. Uh, trait bathed in blood. Artifact the Dark Sword. Prayer. Crimson rejuvena- Rejuvenation. Two Hag Queens. Uh, a Medusa with Medusa! Um, 20 Witch Elves. 20 Witch Just, Elves. Did you chuck an artifact on the Medusa? Yeah. Um, uh, the Shadow Stone. Mm-hmm. Seems fluffy because they're from Orgu. Um uh, 20 witch elves, 20 witch elves, 10 sisters of slaughter, 10 sisters of slaughter, and two units of five heart renders, which all fit into a slaughter troop. Um, I don't know what this army does. I don't know how it's going to work. Um, I'm just going to push it forward, Marathi stuff off, I hope. Actually, I do know what it does. Um, it all gets plus one to hit on the charge, and it can all um, retreat and charge at the same, in, in the same turn. And because they've got the horns in the unit, they can run and charge. So... It's going to be really hard to pin down. You're going to have to kill the units or oh, they'll be wherever they want to be, whenever they want to be. So that, that's an incredibly strong list. I think that's, that's close to the sort of net list. You've made a few sort of unique choices there, which I like. Um, there's a guy over in the UK, Ben Sava, that I bounced some lists around the, the WhatsApp with and he's killing it over there with, ostensibly with that list. So I reckon, um, you know, with a bit of thought between now and next weekend sort of working out your tactics, mm. um, I think you can do really well with that. The problem is I don't know the rules <laughs> and I've never played a game. Let's throw down. Whatever day you're not working, let next week, let's throw down. Oh. Sounds like a grudge. Oh. 
Well, I can't Nick, back out of it now. Nick Gentili, <laughs> I grudge you to a game before Blue Dragon. Yes! Maybe Friday. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, 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 that might work. Hang on, aren't Essendon playing on Friday? Not during the day. Ooh. So, retreat and charge, I think maybe is... It seems real good the, to me. I, I think it's the best rule combination. I've been thinking about, like, clan rats are awesome. Um, the Drachy Ganeth list with the uh, retreating witch elves is awesome. The dude over in um, Ideneth Deepkin aspect of the storm is awesome. Like, retreat and charge is terrific. I think the Nighthaunt have a really durable unit that can retreat and charge. Um, well, all it means is that you can... Always pick your combats. Well, retreat is just the best and most underused, in my opinion, rule. And being able to retreat and charge is awesome. Well, this... It, this it means you never get punished for getting out of position? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so not never. It's, really, it's a really forgiving army because you can make mistakes um, that you can then... Fix the next Fix time. by retreating and charging. You can play really loosely with Marathi because it's difficult to, to one-shot her. Um, and the cauldrons or the, the slaughter queen's command ability means that if you do miscalculate a fight, if you get the next turn, you can then fight again in the hero phase. So you can really um, actually put out quite a lot of damage. She, she doesn't have that command ability on the cauldron. Yes, she does. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. So on foot, she gains an additional prayer that enables her to pile in twice. And on the cauldron, she oh. still keeps her same, um, same command ability. Nice. Well, that's Hag Queen... She's yeah, the, she, really she misses good. one. Yeah, if this model is your general user's ability, you uh, pick a friendly Daughters of Cain unit within 14 of this model. If that unit is within three of an enemy, you can pile in an attack. Yeah, so they've oh. FAQ'd it so that she can only choose a unit once, but she could choose multiple different units. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, that, but you can choose yourself because you're a friendly Daughters of Cain unit. You can, and I often do. It's a yeah. really good command ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, on the cauldron, what are you doing? Because you, you're healing, so you... Always going to be around the top of your whatevers. Um, so you're doing a lot of attacks. So she's doing eight attacks on her own. The avatar's doing four. Um, and then the... the sec- yeah, you're doing another eight. She's seven. bravery ten. The combination of Shroud of Despair and Mind, Mind Razor. Razor. Um, it's really, really potent. She's going to fuck shit up. I hope people don't kill her. It's a good noob-smashing army as well. Oh, So, so you, we've spoken quite a lot about there'll be some new plays. At this but tournament. I'm a noob. That's all right. Yeah. Will it smash me? I hope not. Probably. Um, yeah, so that's my list. Um, and really, I'm just putting that together because um, that's what I want to paint and I think it's going to be fun when I get around to painting it. I'll probably put it in a temple nest or something at some point instead of some of this stuff, some of this tech. Is that the right word? Tech? People use that. The I think kids. people use tech. People use tech and drops. How many drops do you have? I have one, two, three, four, five. Five drops is good. Yeah. I mean, I, that list is constructed in such a way that it can go first or second anyway. Yeah. Um, which is like good list design. So well I, done to the, the hive mind that developed that, that for you. Um, <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> we'll assume it wasn't you. My, my temple nest list is two drops. Um, yeah, sweet. Which is cool. Anyway, my, my list for the weekend is two drops. Oh, so I've got a battalion, yeah. but I've still got like seven drops. Oh. So I'm running a 12 dropper. Oh. I'm also taking Daughters of Cain, taking Calebron for the... Teleport and they want to hit from shooting, uh, and I'm taking them from the realm of Gur. Gur. This uh, is like twelve drops is like you just like long foreplay because it just takes twelve drops. Is I like deploying on the board edge and not really caring whether I go first or second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so foreplay. one of my observations from Age of Sigma so far will be that uh, a lot of people in their calculations uh, and in their play think, oh, we're eighteen inches apart. I'll deploy on the line. He'll deploy on the line. It's just like you actually don't need to do that. Um, yep. And it's not something that I've, that I've sort of observed from other players. So it'll be interesting um, at this event to see how that sort of plays out. So I've got an MSU list. 
Oh, um, I reckon MMU is the way to go, but go with the MSU. It's got three units of 10 witch elves, Ooh. two units of five warlocks, a unit of canaries. Um, and then in terms of characters Which ones? to support, uh, the heart renders. I think the heart renders are significantly better. They're the javelins, right? The javelins. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in the I ignore rend meta. It's a bit frustrating, but um, the the rend two is just really good. Yeah. Um, and being able to move after you shoot um, has really lo- good. lots of really tactical options. And I've got just such a good versatile unit. Yeah. Love Great it. for objectives. Bring them down late. Assassinate characters. They're just really strong. I think Lockie's been running them with an assassin. Mm-hmm. So they pop down. They shoot. They move forward. You know, assassin pops out. I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah, that works. he rides yeah. one of the Harveys. Yeah. It seems really cool. Yeah. So lots of lots of chaff there. Um, lots of opportunities to to run. You know, sort of long long single file lines, uh, and then that's supported by a Hag Queen, uh, Blood Rack Medusa, and then I've taken two allies units. So I've just gone, one Hag Queen, just the one. I think that it's critical that the twenty Blood Sisters. Um, I have immune to battle shock, and the rare alter wounds is useful on Wait, them. Twenty blood sisters. Twenty blood That's sisters in, so in the horde. Fuck. So twenty blood sisters is awesome because you've got the teleport. So effectively, um, should you choose to, you can teleport nine out, and you get the the double crack at the the nine inch charge. So I've got the sorceress, and I've got the tide caster. So oh. basically, both of those casters have a very similar spell: minus one to hit. Was this your idea? Yes, this was my idea. So um, <laughs> basically what happened is I was playing Lockie uh, a couple of weeks ago and he gave me his list um, and it was a Daughters of Cain list that had two Archmages and I sort of said, oh, well, they're not actually allies. You can't do that. And he said, oh, well, why don't I take two Dark Elf Sorceress? And I was like, well, you can't stack the same spell. So we then quickly looked at, at, other, um, at other wizards that also have a debuff and the Tidecaster's also got a minus one to hit. So basically it means you Hang can- on. Because on when you roll a one to hit the blood sisters, if it's that's a natural one. So on the, on a lot of the newer books, they've been yeah. really clear in their language. So if you're uh, talking about the the temple nest, the, yeah. the battalion, yeah. So it's on the roll of a natural one. Oh, okay. Otherwise, that would be ridiculous. That'd be so amazing. Um, so anyway, um, basically the the list has three different ways you can get minus one to hit. Cause it's got the geminids as well, the um, endless spell. They look like testicles to me. <laughs> they do. I don't know what your testicles look like. <laughs> they look, like, look like that veiny, well, veiny which other Geminids. ones you've been looking at. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of debuffs in the list. Lots of um, good synergies. It sort of runs a bit like a Nurgle list um, in terms of you can stack maybe a minus three to hit on a unit and then a, a minus one to wound to go with that, or you can go minus two to hit and then minus one attack. Um, or you could do really, multiple units of minus one to hit. Yeah, or you can you can sort of spread it out. So de- depending on um, the enemy sort of army construction. Um, it, it's pretty versatile in terms of being able to do all those things. And because it's daughters, it's inherently got a really high damage output. But I guess at least compared to like some of the old Nurgle things, that at least you have to get the spells off to do it. And yeah. the increase to the dispel range definitely makes mm-hmm. or gives people a bit more of a chance to play back against that. Yeah, and I mean, I've got five spells I can cast a turn. Um, and it, realistically, um, I'm mm-hmm. hoping to get maybe two spells through. Yeah. That's cool. And so... The debuffs are just to annoy your opponent and make it hard to hit you. Or have you got like a, I want to debuff this when I chuck this into them? Yeah, well, the, the way that it works is that the prayers provide the buffs. Yep. And there's no way to stop the prayers. It's like if I get the yep. prayer off. Um, and there's some really important things when you're playing around sequencing. So understanding what your actual sequence is in terms of putting buffs and debuffs on. Rerolls before modifiers. 
that's that's how it plays in practice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it, just in terms of choosing your spells. So if a particular thing doesn't happen, uh, then you should sort of change options. And the other thing that I've done is I've given the Slaughter Queen on the Cauldron of Blood the Griff Feather Charm. So she's got minus one to hit from that. And then her terrifying her. And then she's beauty? got minus one to hit from shooting for Calibron. And then because she's not a monster, she's minus one to hit from shooting. So if I charge her in and only get one debuff on, she's that makes her pretty resilient. Hang on, say that again. So she's minus one to hit from Griff Feather Charm. Plus one movement, minus one to hit from everything. She's a really everything. good item. Minus one to hit from shooting. Minus one to hit from shooting from the temple. Calibron, yeah. And then what's the extra minus one? And then I have three different spells that can go minus one to hit. Oh, but what if you give her Terrifying Beauty as well? Because then she'll be minus... I can't do that because I'm in the teleport list. Oh, yeah. Calibron gives you the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so it's cool. It's a bit different to the other lists. Um, I don't want to sort of uh, (laughs) make the claim that maybe some others have made... Um, about you know being a bit creative with daughters because realistically the internal balance is so good that everything in the everything in the book mashed together is going to be all right. Do you mm. expect to kind of set a trend with this list and other people maybe at other events maybe Moab or something to, to copy your list or if it happens it happens like so be it. Maybe yeah. you should grudge those people. <laughs> um, I am. Um, right. Copying list is okay as long as you paint your own army and make it look nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a limit on how many things you can actually take in an army book and yeah. some things will be better than others. We're so. coming from magic where net decking is just the thing that everyone does. So. Do you yeah. know what's not okay? Backing out of grudges. Yeah. yeah, here we go. Do you no. know the interesting thing? If you take someone else's list and a lot of people play net lists, I think if you haven't actually constructed the list and theory craft it yourself, you, you don't get the efficiencies out of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you practice, like play some games with it sure. first. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like you definitely have an insight into what things are for if you've written the list kind of from scratch yourself. But if you're like minimally competent and play some games so that you'll be able to work those things out. Mm. And it depends on the on the list that you're you're kind of taking because I have a, a kind of style of play. I like quick units. I mm-hmm. like maneuverability. Uh, I like to dominate the movement phase. And that's where I've come from with my, my fantasy background. And so I could use a net list that, didn't play to those strengths and I'd probably struggle with it because it's not my game and, and the way that list plays doesn't suit me. But if I if I pick out a net list that, that does suit that, then I can generally get a handle on it pretty quickly. So, you know, everyone's got their own style and I think if you're gonna if you're gonna grab a net list, maybe don't grab the best thing ever. Grab the thing that suits you best. Do you know what um my style is? Sixty white lines. Take it off. Yep. But so why aren't you playing with sixty white lines? Because they're not an army. It's just a theme force thing. Yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm using Nighthaunt, as we've kind of discussed. So I've got Arcan, the motherfucking baller. Does that mean they don't come out during the day? Yep. Mm. Have you played Arcan in AOS 2 yet, Nick? No. He can auto-kill units. What? Mm-hmm. Curse of years, baby. Have, have you played against um, Nagash in AOS 2 yet? No. Have you played against an opponent in AOS 2 yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I, what I have not done also? <laughs> I think I do. Back down from a grudge in AOS 2. Or AOS 1. Or AOS 1. Probably not even more. Or AOS 0.5. I've booked us a table for next Friday while we've been talking. So if you don't turn up. <laughs> <laughs> also, we game at different stores, so this could be interesting. <laughs> Official pre... Is this in the evening or during the day? Uh, it'll be during the day for me. Yeah, me too. That's yeah. boring. <laughs> so Ar- you're, you're taking Arcan? Arcan, Arcan the You're ball, not working the during the day on Friday, by the way. No, I'll yeah, be you're doing sleeping. nights. Oh, 
piss <laughs> week. <laughs> That's so soft. You're not sleeping on the weekend, so why start the during the week? Yeah, well, it's not I'm like you run around with a gun. Um, so yeah, Arcan, yeah, it's like scissors. You don't run with a gun. <laughs> exactly. I can. I can the baller um, as an ally, just because the model's cool. I've always wanted to use it. Um, yeah, because the motor's cute. Yeah, I'm not sure he's that good, but mm. he's alright. Uh, a knight of shrouds on an ethereal steed. Uh, he's my general, command trait ruler of the spirit host, which lets him heal some stuff. Now he's part of a battalion. He's part of the um, the shroud guard battalion. So I've got. Uh, two units of Blade Geist Revenants that go with him and he gives them like an extra point on their, their ward save effectively. So they've got a four plus um, ethereal save which is ignores rend and then they've got if they're within 12 inches of the Knight of Shrouds they've got a five plus save against everything including mortal wounds. And then there's multiple ways to, to bring them back. So they're, they're incredibly durable, yeah? yeah. And that's the, the kind of theory is they're, they're a very durable unit. What if you have magic weapons? The, it's not... No. <laughs> just just no um, The other thing I've got That makes him a bit more durable Is I've got a Guardian of Souls uh, With a Nightmare Lantern He's got the Light Shard of the Harvest Moon Which Is just a one use only uh, Everything within 12 gets uh, Rerolls to hit For a turn That's Which a I think range. is really strong Yeah And He's also got The uh, The spell which is this, what's the spell called? The spell. Shade Mist. So Shade Mist is like you cast on a knight one unit within 12 and it gives them uh, all rolls to wound against them or at neg one. So there's some good spells in the in the knight haunt list. Soul Cage is one that's pretty popular, which is it stops people retreating and makes them attack last. Oh, that's bad for my army. It's a really good spell. My concern is it's quite short range. It's only 12 inch range and you're casting it in the hero phase. So you've got to be right up close. It means you're basically charging in and then using it the next turn. Mm. So... Yeah. Or they've charged you. Yeah, and they're counter-charging and then pin them. So given how durable you are, and I'm assuming that there's going to be a big horde of chain roughs or whatever there, you could bubble wrap this guy. Yeah. And if they hit your front lines, you could lock them where maybe they don't want to be later on. Yeah, my part of my thoughts, though, if, if I am that durable, potentially I don't mind if things attack first. So I'm trying this out. It's it's a bit easier to... And the thing is, because I haven't played a lot of games, I don't want to play... I want to play it a bit more simple. This I only cast on my own units. It's pretty simple. It's just neg one to wound. It... it plays well with the kind of tough you know anvil units that i've got so um i've got a spirit torment with the pendant of the fell wind which gives every night one unit within 12 plus three to one uh, plus three movement it sounds like a fart pendant <laughs> he just he farts out extra movement pendant of the fell wind which is it's fell wind i just turned it into pendant of the fell wind okay well you do that then. yeah i'm pretty sure the fell wind is gonna smell foul yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so, both he just adds a bit of speed. I think it's really good. Like th- extra three movement on stuff. Mm-hmm. Like why not, right? And um, that one you can give three inches of extra movement to a heap of things, say on one flank. Then yep. you could move him, including his additional three inches of movement Correct. and then apply that same plus three modifier elsewhere. So yep, it's really exactly. useful. So you, can give oh, heap- so you can move him, then move a unit that he's yeah, close so to. Yeah, so it's anyone within a range of yeah. him rather than within a range of him at a specific time. Yeah, so oh, it's resolved cool. when you move the unit. So you move the unit on yeah, the left... Yeah. Up and then you move him across and, you and then move the move other him. one. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. cool. And it works well with the blade guys revenants because they're the movement eight already. Mm-hmm. So movement eleven on infantry is really quick mm. um, and fly. So you're ignoring terrain and endless spells. Yep. And yeah, they're not really, really infantry at this point, are they? No, exactly. So I've got uh, twenty blade guys revenants and then five blade guys revenants. I have to have two units because of the the battalion. Uh, so these guys, this is most of my army here. They they do a lot of the damage. They've they're really durable. Uh, they're quick. You know. I think they're a really good unit. 
Mm. Uh, two units of three spirit hosts. Oh, sorry, yeah, two units of three spirit hosts and thirty chain rust board. Um, I'd rather forty, but I just I felt like I had to fit another character in, so I had to drop them down. Again, I'd probably rather have a bigger unit of spirit hosts, but I need to have three battle line units, and the, the blade guys don't count. Mm. Uh, then I got a black coach and the shroud guard battalion, which rounds out the list. I think the battalion is really important for the, um, the. I think the artifacts I've got are really strong, and the command points really handy to have that turn zero command point if you get alpha strike against you. On so like what is it? You've only got to kill twenty of the, um, the the light infantry to auto pop them. So. Yeah, 20, so, 20 is achievable because they've only got a 5-up armor save and then a 6-up ward. Yeah, so if you've got a Presumably they're going to zone out a lot of the board for you. That's the theory. So if, they've, if you've got a character there on turn 0 yeah. and you've got the um, the command point, you can you can stop them just disappearing. And there's a decent no amount... I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So like their bravery 10, there's 30 models in the unit. Once yep. you kill 20, you're 10 over their bravery. So if they take battle shock, yeah, yeah, you're going to delete die. the unit. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is... Really important for Nick's army because he's maybe got three or four different ways of bringing guys back. Yeah. So, so he oh, might but end once up units deleted, you can't bring right, back. That's yeah, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So Arcan heal stuff, the Knight of Shrouds heal stuff because of his um, his trait, the Spirit Torment heal stuff, and so does the Guardian of Souls, and so yeah. does the Black Coach. So, so there's five things anywhere. that just incrementally heal things. Yeah. So I don't want my units wiped out because if I've still got ten chain rafts, I can on get average get back like eleven or twelve of them in a turn. Yeah. So assassinate the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And that's why I added extra characters in because the you characters, characters are vulnerable. Uh, the Spirit Torment can, and maybe Arcane, oh, maybe just the Spirit Torment. Yeah, I'm not yeah. exactly sure. Okay, I haven't, haven't played so many he, games. One of the things that's really good about the Night Haunt is you actually don't need to put your characters in in vulnerable positions because they can fly. So typically, you might need to you know make a compromise or take a risk and, and put a character on your front lines. Um, but with the Nighthawk, because of the ability to fly, they can ignore things like, you know, the massive watchtower that was in your deployment zone the other day, Nick, or the, the unit in front of them, they can actually just bounce straight over the top of, mm. um, which is actually a really good way of protecting them. Yeah, it's, it, it's a bit awkward though, because you, all of the, and this is a new thing I think Games Workshop's bringing in, is a lot of the special rules and the buffs are wholly within 12 rather yeah. than within 12. So a lot of armies, you see them, they tail out the unit so that it's in range of the character and the yeah. character's sitting quite far back. The Nighthawk stuff is wholly within 12, which if the effective range of the spells and the abilities drops heaps. And so Same with the daughters. If stuff. you're going to charge stuff in, you need to actually have your character, which you don't want in combat. So you're not going to charge the character, but you're going to charge the unit. You can't have the character behind the unit and then charge the, the unit mm. because you're going to end up out of range of that spell. So you've yeah. got the ability. So you've kind of got to move the character forward, which you can do because it flies, but you've got to move it out into the front. And then if you fail your charge, you're in a bit of trouble. So yeah, yeah but it, takes make- some, it takes a pretty delicate positioning, I think. That makes sense from a game balance point of view, though, because otherwise you're in the situation where you've got your character in the back corner and this massive conga line that then leads to, you know, a big unit. Yeah, maybe there's a middle ground. Maybe it could have been models within, you know, some one of them is like plus one attack or yeah. um, plus one to wound. You yeah. could you could reroll ones to hit, for example. Or you could do models within 12 rather than units yeah, within I, 12. Yeah, I, I don't think wholly within a certain range works because it significantly cuts the range, right? Like you were saying. Yeah, so typically what they'll do then is if it's wholly within, the range will be bigger. So it's a, a bigger bubble, but they have to be entirely within. Yeah. So think about the, the blood shield for the Daughters There's of Cain. There's a huge 18 or something. That's exactly right. Yeah. But then the other thing, like the bravery buff you also get from the cauldron is quite short. Yeah. And the witch brew is quite short. Yeah, okay. I, I think those changes in wording templating are have been... 
from what I can tell, really good moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Changing to Holly within and also changing to natural ones and sixes rather than yeah. you know, rolling A1 or A6 because of the way the pluses plastic? work. The plastic's still natural. It's still made of material natural, that occurs. Natural plastic. Yeah. Okay. They get it from the plastic tree. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of future-proofing. You've got, you know, these things that... that it's a lot easy... A lot, sorry, it's harder it's lot, to fuck up. Yeah, it's a lot more difficult for things to get out of hand when it's wholly within. You mm-hmm. don't have these conga lines, stuff like that. So the problem is, and it's an issue with the way Games Workshop releases new content, is there's such a time gap between battle tomes for one army and another that the Night Haunt have which are the new the new book have all this holy within stuff but then some a lot of the other armies don't and so you have these kind of conga lines of things tailing out all over the place which it's interesting but yeah you know in a couple of years when most of the new books have been redone it might be more consistent and with the new battle shock rules the conga line is problematic anyway because of casualty removal yep. you've got the gap you lose your coherency so there's there's some good counters just in the core rules as well yeah i think that's Blue Dragon, right? Are Blue we, Dragon. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm getting excited. Mm. I'm probably more excited now than I was before. I couldn't figure out my list. I was working on my list before this event, uh, this cast, and it's all submitted now. And so, yeah, actually, like talking about it has me more excited. Whereas before, it was like painting for it, which was feeling like a chore. Painting so now, is my favorite part. It it is, but I've got this entire Stormcast army sitting there just to my left when about. I'm waiting and that's what I want to be doing yeah. but it's also not the hobby that I need to do yeah um, and, and yeah that, that's part of why it's really dragged on for me mm. I think so this sort of podcast notwithstanding the quality of the content out there at the moment is awesome so painting for me has been great I've been watching things on YouTube how do you watch listening to podcasts paint at the same time? well I just listen to the oh okay so not really watching stuff so I know what you mean Listening like, to YouTube Like it's actually pretty easy To get psyched for hobby yeah. Listening to other people Who are enthusiastic about hobby Yeah that or just like TV series that You've watched before But that you like So for me it's Stargate SG-1 I whack on it SG-1 I watch a season of that While I'm painting Because I don't really need to watch it It's just kind of something That's on in the background For me it's Dawson's Creek I, I do it with uh, League of Legends pro coverage Yeah That's yeah. good background noise I try it But the Look, I prefer StarCraft and you can't have StarCraft on in the background and you kind of have to watch it. When I was in jail recently, and that's why I wasn't on the most recent cast, I wasn't allowed to listen to anything, so I had to just paint in silence. You, you didn't make up your own narrative as you were painting? I, well, you, well, your head goes to funny places when you're banned from a podcast and yeah. have to paint in silence. So, But I did. I worked out where my general was from and... Um, why they came out of the realm of shadow and, and how they got there. And what, why did they leave the realm of shadow? It's a secret. Well, that, that's not very uh, useful for the rest of us to join in your immersive gaming experience. Yeah, but I know it. So when I roll the dice, I know why they're there. Maybe we'll talk about it on our next episode. Woo! Or maybe we'll find out at Vampire's Kiss. Ooh. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a very special Dwellers Below episode. Where all, or some of us anyway, are heading up to CACFest. Oh, which I, I, is... Is that going to be special or is that going to be drunken ramblings? Well, I mean, that is special l- in a way. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, um, which for those of you who aren't in Australia, um, is a little bit like uh, Boss Fest over in the UK. Is it Boss Fest? Any grudges? Yeah, Boss Fest, Fest sounds about yeah, right. Boss Fest, which um, is basically, it's a, it's a camping slash bonfire weekend with a bit of gaming and drinking with mixed in. With a spit, in. I think. That was with the spit, yeah, I'm spit not going, roast. but the main, Some, ap- the main appeal for me was the spit roast. Kakwar <laughs> is spit roasting someone or something. Someone, that would be so gross to eat human flesh. 
<laughs> was so gross. Well, just, I, I mean, the, would that, would spear, be, spear roasting be... has a second connotation, which I encourage you to Google. <laughs> would ask the neon. <laughs> <laughs> would human flesh be paleo? Um, I don't know. I don't know if cavemen ate um, in the Paleolithic era ate other humans. I know they did in um, Moby Dick. I watched that movie recently. <laughs> I mean, it, depending on which region of the world you're drawing your paleo lifestyle from, there yeah. was definitely cannibalism in some regions. So, yeah. unless you're being very Eurocentric in what you consider to be the Paleolithic period, then yeah, sure, human flesh is on the cards. Yeah, I'm Eurocentric for sure. Okay. What did you think of Moby Dick? I think it's an allegory for the, the, the Sigma. Penis. The penis. The, the Sigma <laughs> sort of uh, regime. Uh I don't know what an allegory is, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is going anywhere. Uh, yeah, so basically, like, Moby Dick is nothing like Sigmar. Sigmar is a tyrant, he's overbearing, Moby Dick is a force of nature. Like, they're totally different. Moby Dick is something to be chased, to be uh, sought after, and Sigmar is oppressive and pushing down. And that is why we need the hammers and sickles of Sigmar to liberate the free people so that they can share in the fruits of their labour as they should under Drinking a moral none. system. Do you reckon Moby Dick would pull out of a grudge? I think pulling dicks out of things is generally not very uh, not very conducive to contraception, but uh, other than that, I have no real thoughts. Mm. We've been the dwellers below. We'll be back with our, <laughs> our Hackfest special in a couple of weeks and probably then an episode covering uh, the Blue Dragon GT. Um, until then. S- until then. Don't fail your strength test. See you later, folks. be able to stay home brother you will not be able to plug in turn on and cop out you will not be able to lose yourself on skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised the revolution will not be televised the revolution will not be brought to you by xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew. (laughs) (laughs) Do we offend enough people is the question. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the point from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. 
song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keys, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or the Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. 